Hello, I'm Scott Pierce with the American College of Radiology, and I'm here with James Chen, Associate Professor of Radiology at the San Diego VA Medical Center and UCSD Medical Center, and Carol Hamilton, Chief Administrative Officer for the West County Radiological Group. And today we're talking about a topic that I think we can all relate to, which is burnout. And while burnout can happen to anyone, it is particularly common amongst medical professionals. And in fact, every year when Medscape's last style report comes out, radiologists consistently rank among the top 10 most burned out physicians. So let's just start at the beginning. Uh, Define burnout and what is driving this condition amongst radiologists. All right, well, thank you for that introduction. So the question is, what is burnout and what's driving it among radiologists? So burnout is a complex problem. Some people think of it as a condition, and some people think of it as a state of mind, which are characterized by the three Ds. We typically think about burnout in terms of disengagement, disinterest, and disconnection as something that could eventually lead to possibly DSM-IV conditions, such as depression, and ultimately, in the worst cases, to suicide. And this is something that we're all trying to avoid. What's driving it among radiologists? It seems to be that among radiologists that the overwhelming workflow that seems to be increasing year over year uh, without an increase in number of workers to actually help with the workflow combined with decreasing reimbursement and changes within uh, the medical system themselves is really causing burnout to increase among radiologists. And as we, as we look at uh, burnout and it's becoming a much more prevalent in terms of us noticing it and paying attention to it and wanting to address it, uh, it can still creep in on us, though we can still have those times when we, we do recognize it and it still does happen. So what are some of the warning signs radiologists should look for, particularly as, as we discussed a little bit earlier, uh, Carol, that it, it can actually, in, within teams and in different dynamics as that happens, what are some of the warning signs that radiologists can look for within themselves, within their teams, within departments, uh, so that they can kind of identify burnout and, and maybe the steps that they can take to address it? Well, you know, every day is going to be stressful. So, you know, it, but some people are going to have a different level of stress. Some people are going to become behavioral problems. So you're going to get more complaints from the nurses and the techs, and you're going to, you know, the hospital is going to start coming down on you. Um, you're going to have coworker issues. They're going to be late. They're going to be not showing up on time. So as a team, if you recognize that, then you can start doing some types of interventions to help figure out, you know, at what level that burnout it might be and, you know, what you can do to help. And so if you do recognize that and you start to see it uh, either within yourself or feel within yourself, within some of your colleagues, et cetera, uh, what can you do? What are some steps that you can take to, to help address that, to reverse it, to, to engage the, the radiologist and, or, or others within your practice in a different way to kind of help address and reverse the, the tide of burnout? Well, for one thing, it's important to recognize that you are feeling it and that it's a problem. It's something that we don't necessarily talk about much in the medical professions. Oftentimes in our training, we're essentially taught to suck it up and just deal with things no matter how bad they are, things seem. So one of the things that you want to do is recognize that you're not alone, that your feelings are real, and that things can actually be done about it. So one thing that we try to do is to teach uh, mindfulness so that you recognize your own feelings and you're actually also able to discuss it among your peers or not just your peers, but basically anybody who's interested and willing to listen. Because once you have a sense of uh, team 
and you're connected to other people, that really does help a lot of the disconnection feelings that people have. So recognizing those feelings first and then stepping back and talking about them, that can be helpful too. That doesn't get to the root cause, which we think is, is overwork. So other things that you can do uh, are a lot of other things that just are good for your own personal health to begin with. So taking a, a short breaks at work so that you can clear your mind. And one of the other hallmarks of burnout is actually being disengaged and disinterested. So oftentimes if you're working very hard and you have no follow-up on your cases, you don't know whether or not you're making a difference in anyone's life. So one of the things that I like to do is I like to follow up some of my cases to see how they are. So I'll talk to clinicians. Hey, remember that case that we, we went over the other day? How did that patient end up doing? And when you find that you did something well, that feels good. And that helps decrease your feelings of burnout too. Another thing that some groups might want to do, um, most groups, have processes for practice improvement. So if there are errors, people highlight them, maybe do a failure analysis or a root cause analysis and try to improve those, uh, those errors. But many fewer groups seem to have a process where they highlight things like good calls. So hey, this was a difficult case. You did really well here. Let's pat you on the back and share it with the group. The other thing about sharing good calls or good diagnoses is that everybody else within the group learns from it too. So then you get a group sense of wellness where the group feels like, yes, overall, we do good things for patients. And that really does help people quite a bit. But those are some of the things that you can do. Obviously, there are things like exercise, taking time out, taking time with family, making sure you still have interests outside of work. If you do actually, in fact, spend any time out of, out of work, which we hope you do, um, other things that people recommend may be things like getting a pet, or if your workplace is friendly, bringing a pet to work. Less common in medical practices, but there are practices who actually do allow that and, and even encourage that. I wonder if Carol has any other input on this. Yeah, I think you know, encouraging positive emotions is very important. I think being able to you know, talk to someone, mentor them a little bit, make sure they realize you know, life is good, count your blessings, Think of the good things, kind of sit back, you know, for a moment. I like taking the breaks, just kind of take some deep breaths, meditate, go for a short walk, and think about the good things, and then come back, and you have that renewed energy to kind of hit that work hard. Uh, you know, I also look at emotional intelligence. The training for that would is kind of coming in, recognizing your own emotions, and then learning how to manage those emotions to kind of keep them in key and doing the same with others around you, recognizing their emotions, understanding those, and learning how to manage those around you. And I think because we spend so much time at work, because we spend so many of our hours there, learning how to work with others and deal with all of the emotions and, and the stresses that are around us is, is extremely important. And positivity is key to keeping that intact in and keeping burnout away, so. Yeah. I think that a lot of what you talked about in terms of staving it off and changing it and turning it around, a lot seems to, that theme that has kind of run through what your answers were there had a lot to do with the culture of the practice and of what the, the physicians are actually in and, and, and what everybody is that's working with them. And so much of culture is and can be uh, oftentimes is driven by the leaders. So what can leaders really do to address some of these cultural changes? And you talked about, you know, things like, 
well, my day was, you know, we just got to suck it up and kind of get through it type of thing. And so you feel like that you're not as much of a, uh, of a doctor, you're not successful if you're having these types of burnout feelings or it's, you know, it's a competition. I'm benchmarking my RVUs against this doctor and against this doctor. So what are some of the things that leaders can do in order to sort of effectively uh, change the culture so that there are certain things built into the workflow that radiologists can do throughout the day to help stave off that, uh, the burnout feelings? So some of the things that a practice leader might be able to do would be to recognize that not all radiologists or administrators are all the same. Everybody has a different skill set. Some people may be more uh, particularly talented at talking to clinicians in a way that's pleasing or that is both efficient and also uh, good, whereas somebody else may be particularly good at dealing with the technologists and changing the technical protocols for the exams. And it's important to have the leaders value these things differently. So if you have the wrong person trying to do something that they're not particularly skilled at, certainly they're, you're going to cause frustration and make things more difficult. So by valuing the different things and allowing people to uh, pursue their own strengths rather than treating everybody exactly the same, such as rotating through, well, it's your turn to be the consult person for the ER today, or it's your turn uh, to look over the MR protocols for this month and make sure that everything is still up to task and that we're uh, up to date with all the recent changes in this particular magnet and this, this new software. So recognizing that the individuals have different strengths and using those strengths and then highlighting that as well. Because if you use RVUs as your only benchmark of how well a person is performing, you don't recognize any of these additional strengths that people bring to the practice. And that doesn't really help anybody feel particularly good. Uh, I think you know uh, changing that culture and making that work-life balance is really important. But communication is the key to all of it. Um, because that is uh, some area that, you know, radiologists have some problems with and in general with their administrators and as a group as, as a whole, they're separated by subspecialty. They have different things that, that cause them stress that increase their workload and that communication just isn't there. So they don't all understand each other, especially in a practice that's full of a lot of different subspecialties. The neuroradiologists don't understand the days of the breast radiologists. So I think, you know, they, they all have to kind of get together and it'd be great if there was time for some kind of retreat and that's like the, the ideal answer, but there just isn't enough time in the world. So communication uh, in every possible way you can do it, you know, whether it's e emails, you know, conversations over, you know, con phone conferences, different things that you can do to just throughout the day, newsletters, just to make sure everyone kind of knows that you're on the same page, that you understand each other, and then figuring out that work-life balance. You know, do we need more people over here, you know, than so that you know, the neuroradiologist can, can get all of the stuff done from the ER, especially, especially if you're a trauma center and, and you have a, you know, a huge workload, maybe they shouldn't be pulled to do some of the other stuff that they're doing. Maybe, you know, the, uh, the breast radiologists are, are feeling stressed because there's a lot of pressure from the hospital on them to grow that business. You know, and, and so the leader has to kind of take over and work with the hospital administration and help them to kind of change the culture too. So that because once everyone kind of reduces that pressure of I need to build the business, I need to you know make more money, I need to do this, but I, I look more at I want to have work-life balance, all of a sudden the productivity and the, it kind of takes care of itself, you know. So you're, if you're happier, you know, and you're, you're less stressed out every day, 
you can do the work and you can do it really well. And as Carol said, with good communication, you often can also tell people that in, in fact, yes, there is a lot of work, but you're not alone. Um, as long as people know that indeed they can potentially share work or if they get behind, one site, if it's a very large practice, may be able to help out uh, a different site and decompress some of that workload. So as long as people feel connected to each other and they're willing to help each other out, setting that culture where uh, work is not necessarily compartmentalized such that this work is mine and this is only mine and nobody can help me here, that changes the feeling of how people uh, perceive it. And that also improves the teamwork of a practice too, I think. Absolutely. And I think ultimately it's going to benefit the patient because the happier radiologist is going to be much more on point with the, the diagno diagnosing and everything. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining us today and uh, very insightful. And uh, thank you. Thank you.